Good morning to each one of you. Greetings in Jesus' name. It is good to be able to be back in worship here with you all again. It seems like it's been a, a long time. I know we were here at the uh, when the Smokers gave their program the other week, but uh, to actually be able to worship with you, uh, it, it's a blessing. But I have a question. How many of you all want to be righteous? How are you going to do it? Okay, by the grace of God. But is it just God's grace? By God's help. By God's help. By the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will know what you want to do. Okay. You have to be submitted to Him too. So we sit on our hands and say, "Spirit, make me holy." By obedience to what you already know. Thank you. True. So, we're done. How many of you all have... Hmm, attained to that righteousness? So, I'm speaking to sinners. Hopefully, people that are sinners saved by grace. I want you to turn with me, if you will, to the book of Romans chapter 1. The book of Romans is uh, sometimes, to refer, sometimes referred to as the Romans road to salvation. And I'm... I read through the book of Romans, and I've told you all this before, I believe. Uh, that was kind of a book that I was reading and rereading and rereading personally just in the last little while. Because so often when I read, it leaves me. And I wish it wouldn't leave me so quickly. I don't know if you all experience that. Do you all read and it just sticks? How many of you all read and it sticks? Well, Hmm. So I guess we're in this together, right? But the basic theme of the book of, book of Romans is, is God's righteousness, the righteousness of God. And the Apostle Paul states in, in the introduction of this letter in verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Verse 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. Think about that. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so, are you living by faith? Are you a just person? Are you a righteous person? And you know, I look at my life and I think, Dave, there's so many things that you could do better in. But I am thankful to go back to the Word of God. I am thankful to go back to Jesus Christ. I am thankful to go back to God the Father and recognize that I've placed faith in Christ and that my desire and my goal is to strive to live in obedience 
to live faithful. And God's righteousness is being revealed from faith to faith. Are you living in faith? It says the just shall live by faith. The first part of this book of Romans, it speaks of the spiritual condition of mankind that none are righteous. And without faith in Christ, man is destined by nature, by choice to follow the desires of the flesh because he has no power to be victorious over sin. And I don't know if you remember that time in your life where you basically had no power and that you were constantly failing and maybe you never were there. And if you weren't, praise the Lord. What, what a huge blessing. But I was there. But in Romans 3, over a couple, one, uh, two, two chapters, Romans 3 verse 10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. I was there at one time. And I hope that all of us recognize that we, apart from Jesus Christ, we have certain amount of good things that we do in life, and yet it doesn't merit anything in God's eyes apart from Jesus Christ. These verses that none that understandeth, none that seeketh after God, these, these verses come from Psalm 14, Psalm 53. And it says, it goes on to say in Romans chapter 3, verse 14, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, Destruction and misery are their ways, and the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. As we look about us in the society that we live, and we read those verses, wow, destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. In verse 14 I missed whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. And I don't know if you've ever been around people that are full of that kind of stuff. But if you're around people that are full of that, it can either rub off on you and cause you to participate, or it can turn you so that you do not want to be a part of that and want to go away as far as you possibly can. We meet people all the time that are not living a life of faith. And it seems as if they embody these verses with their language, their actions, and basically their overall lifestyle. And as Christians, we sometimes look at them and we shake their head and think, wow, I can't believe that. But you know, I was there at one time. And I thank God for His mercy in my life. Because had it not been for Christ speaking to my heart, had it not been for someone that, that witnessed Jesus to me, had it not been for that time where God's Holy Spirit convicted me of sin, where would I be today? And so this Roman road of salvation is very real to me. I thank God for His mercy, for His grace. 
Romans 3.23, it says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's not just about me, people. That's just about everybody. It says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This verse not only spoke of me, but it speaks of every living being present, even here in this congregation today. Those that are listening, those maybe that haven't heard yet, it says that all have sinned. But in 24, verse 24 of the same chapter, it gives a different tale. It says, being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness. Again, therein the righteousness is revealed. To declare His righteousness for the remission of sin that are past through the forbearance of God. We talked about this in our Sunday school class just a little bit. Why is God's wrath held back? It's because of Christ. Because of what Jesus has done. Jesus is that sacrifice. It is faith through faith in His blood that declares us righteous. And our sins are not before us anymore. They're past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be just and a justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. People today, I don't know if you failed this week. But I would dare say probably in some small way, you may be failed in something in your Christian life. In a thought, in a word, in an attitude, in something. But we can go back to this place in God's Word. And we can go back to Jesus and we can see that through Him, we can come back and say, Father, forgive me in Jesus' name. Because Jesus is there at the right hand of God making intercession for each one of us. Have you been forgiven? Thank God. He is in the forgiving business. God is in the forgiving business. And Jesus is our Advocate. And He is standing at the side of the Father. And I'm convinced that Jesus is there saying, wait, hold on. I'm not quite done with him or her yet. Verse 25 says, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. This word forbearance means self-restraint. It means tolerance. It means to hold oneself up against. It means to put up with. And so God in His forbearance towards us is putting up with us because of what Christ has done for us. Because Christ is there as our Advocate and He is saying, just wait. Father, wait. I'm not quite done. God tolerates us. He cares. He's patient. He's kind. He is slow to anger. I've asked our brother, Joe, if he would lead us in some songs as we go through this message. The song right now is number 470, Does Jesus Care?
170.
If you look at verse 3, it says, Does Jesus care when I've tried and failed to resist some temptation strong? When for my deep grief I find no relief, though my tears flow all the night long. Does He care? Absolutely Jesus cares. God cares more than you can ever imagine. So much so that He gave His only begotten Son. And we need to recognize that and remember that, that God cares so incredibly much for us that He was willing to sacrifice His one and only Son. I don't know if you all would want to get rid of one of your sons or daughters or one of your brothers or sisters for the sake of someone else, but I dare say none of us would ever want to go that far. And yet God in His infinite mercy, in His infinite love for mankind, even when we were yet sinners, even when we yet fail Him time and time and time again, He wants us to be victorious. He wants us to recognize these things in our life and then come to Him confessing, realizing that we need Him. We acquire remission of sin, forgiveness through faith. We believe what God says and we take it at face value and then, boom, we find salvation. We become a child of God. We, become, we are declared righteous when we place our faith in Him. I want to look at Romans chapter 4 just a bit. In verse 3, it talks about Abraham. And Abraham is such an, an excellent example of faith. It says in verse 3 of chapter 4, For what saith the Scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Think about that. Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Do you believe God? And I would dare say that if I would ask each of you individually, do you believe God? I would dare say that you would all say, yes, I believe God. But where does that take us? The Bible says the demons believe and tremble. But it says here, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. The devils believe and they tremble. Did Abraham tremble with his belief of God? But verse 5 it says, But unto him, but to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. There's nothing we can do, people. We can't live good enough. We can't dress right enough. We can't go to church enough. We can't preach enough or teach enough. We cannot do it on our own. It is by faith. And no matter how hard we work, how hard we try to be good, being good is not good enough. The ticket we know is faith. It's believing in God. And then by faith we step forward in obedience. It wasn't that Abraham believed God and trembled like the demons, but it says his faith propelled him into action. His faith was followed very closely by obedience. If we look at chapter 5, it says, Therefore being justified by, with, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Being justified by faith, we have peace with God. 
Abraham's obedience in faith led him and propelled him into obedience. And that's what it needs to do with each one of us. And so when we fail, when we sin, when we realize that we have not attained, which I think should be quite often, we need to go back. We need to ask God for forgiveness. We need to ask Him to empower us with the Holy Spirit and then continue. You know, as I have... I came into the Mennonite church, I think about 30 years ago, and there were many tent meetings that that, that we went to over at the uh, the pumpkin house. I don't know if you all remember that. But uh, I remember in those tent meetings, years ago, when the evangelist would preach, there were many that responded. It seemed like the Spirit of God was moving. And even years before that, with George R. Brunk and his crusades, and I wasn't there. I don't know. Was it? Ben, do you remember those crusades? George R. Brunk? They held those meetings for weeks and weeks because the Spirit of God was moving and people were responding and people were repenting. But you know, the longer we go, it seems like the harder our hearts become. And I say that not just for you, but for myself as well. It seems like there is a lack of brokenness and repentance because of where we are. And I'm not sure what all causes that. Romans 5, it says, Therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we all know what that peace is like. Peace that passes all understanding. That peace that we see in Philippians 4. It says, And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. When we experience peace, it's a complete freedom. And I remember how I felt the night that I was born again. It was a complete, unexplainable peace that flooded my heart, my mind, my soul. And I don't know how you felt when you became a child of God. But that peace is hard to explain. And in a mental picture for myself, it's like a small child out in the middle of a grassy field on a bright sunny day, wildflowers all around, white puffy clouds, not a care in the world. There's also another picture that I get, and that is of a sleeping child in a mother or father's arms. And I see complete peace there. I also see in my mind's eye a gently flowing river meandering through the fields with tall trees at the water's edge and a small pool of water where fish congregate. That's a picture of peace to me. And I don't know what brings peace in your heart, your mind, your soul. But God can bring us that peace that passes all understanding. I'd like to sing number 806. When peace like a river.
like a river. Is it well with your soul? Though Satan should buffet, the trials should come. Let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed His own blood for my soul. People, we need to rest in that. And in the verse of the first verse of chapter eight is probably one of my most favorite verses in the New Testament. Romans eight chapter verse one of chapter eight says, "There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit." We have no condemnation as we live in faith following in obedience to God and His Word. It is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ hath made me free from the law of sin and death. And as we live in obedience to the Word, we have peace, we have freedom. We feel no condemnation. And the joy of Christ will radiate from our being. It's not going to be a job. It's going to be a privilege. It's not going to be a have to. It's going to be because I want to, because I love Christ. And sometimes that joy, or that joy radiates to other people. But sometimes that joy may make others uncomfortable. And we see that sometimes. And sometimes that joy may bring criticism because it, it may exhibit something that you have that others wish that they had. But that joy can be a huge blessing and encouragement. And life in Christ should bring us joy. It should bring us freedom. It should bring us peace. It should bring us no condemnation. And we can go forward proclaiming Christ by the way that we live, by the countenance on our face, by the things that we express, by how we express ourselves. Verse 3 says in chapter 8, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. In other words, the law was limited because you cannot legislate the heart. And I've, our family has heard this countless times over and over and over again, and probably our congregation as well. You cannot legislate the heart you can make so many guidelines, so many rules, and so much legislation. But it will not fix the heart of man. Only Christ, only His forgiveness, only His redemption, only His love that comes forth in our hearts is going to legislate our heart. Legislation can give us direction. There's no question about it. And it's oftentimes needed to, to establish a consciousness of right or wrong. But a written law sometimes or a lot of times brings about a certain amount of fear or bondage. Fear that if we don't measure up, that we will be condemned. And we, you and I know that we cannot live a perfect life it's not an excuse. It's a fact. But that's not a reason to not try. That is not a reason to live 
a life of disobedience because, well, we'll never measure up. But that's not the way that we should live. Abraham believed God and it propelled him in faith forward in obedience. God sent Jesus in the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus experienced everything that we will ever face in His temptation in the desert. God sent His only begotten Son, the perfect Lamb, to shed His blood once. And God sent His Son and condemned sin in the flesh that we might be made free in the Spirit. Verse 4 says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, and we refer back to the first chapter, it says that there are none righteous, and it says that all the evils of man's heart come out of us. But they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, to live after the flesh, to do the things that my sinful, my selfish desires want to do is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace and joy and radiance of Christ in our lives. It says, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. This word flesh means human nature. It means the frailties, physically, morally. It means our passions. Are we living after our passions? Or are we living after God and, and the provisions that He has given for us? If someone were to follow you around, if someone to see you see what uh, what you googled, what look at your search history, if someone were beside you when you hit your thumb with a hammer, or when one of your customers chewed you out for something, what would you hear? What would I'm sorry? What would they hear? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I say that not just for you, but for myself. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if we are full of carnality and flesh, then that's what's going to bubble out of us when we get bumped. What would people hear? What would people say? Verse 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you, now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. This word quicken means to revitalize, to invigorate, to make alive, to give life to. And I'm hoping that when you became a Christian and even now in your Christian life and in mine, that we are invigorated, that we are alive in Christ. I'd like for us to sing number 321. Spirit of God.
Joe said he looked at this song this morning and he says he knows now why he didn't choose it. But I thank God for His leading, even in some of these small ways. 321. one it's a spirit of God descend upon my heart wean it from earth through all its pulses move stoop to my weakness mighty as thou art 
and make me love Thee as I ought to love. And then the last verse, Teach me to love Thee as Thine angels love, one holy passion filling all my frame. The baptism of the heavenly dove, descended dove, my heart and altar and Thy love, the flame. Do we have that passion? Do we have that love? It, or do we feel that peace and forgiveness, that no condemnation? God's righteousness revealed. People, it's revealed through Jesus Christ. It is revealed through His creation. It is revealed through people, through His Word, through the Holy Spirit. God is righteous and we can be made righteous by faith and obedience and live in peace with Him. But like anything else in life, it takes effort. And I read this quote before and I saw it in our Maranatha handbook. And that quote was, the man on top of the mountain didn't fall there. I'm going to read that again. The man on top of the mountain didn't fall there. It took effort to get to the top of that mountain. And in faith, in life, we struggle to climb this mountain. But God is by our side and He enables us. He doesn't just plop it into our lap and say, here it is, you're done deal. But He says, be faithful. Live a godly life. So by faith and obedience, let's continue to climb that mountain and encourage one another together. And in Jude we read, Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to the only wise God our Savior be glory, majesty, dominion, and power both now and ever. Amen. Amen. May we climb that mountain together in faith. Lord bless you.